0: So welcome to the podcast. I appreciate everyone tuning in today. On today's episode, I have a world record swimmer with 31 US national titles, a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, entrepreneur, and full-time biohacker. And yes, I'm talking about just one person, and that is Dr. Mike Van Thielen. So welcome to the show, Dr. Mike.
1: Thanks for having me, Amy.
0: (laughs) So you've written numerous books, and I just want to run through some of these titles because I want to talk about some of these topics since you're an expert in so many different areas. So you wrote Health for Life, Stem Cells One-on-One, a Consumer Guide, Fibromyalgia into Remission, Optimize Your Immune System, Be Bulletproof Against Viruses and Diseases of the 21st Century, EMR, The Invisible Threat, and most recently, The IZOD Method. (laughs) Holy cow, (laughs) you've been busy. I mean, that's so what, have you written, is that eight books then?
1: I got eight books in total, yeah.
0: Wow. And I'm assuming you can find all these on Amazon.
1: Yes, you can.
0: So which one's your bestseller out of that mix?
1: Well, the Amazon bestseller was the electromagnetic radiation one, The Invisible Threat. And then my latest book is, like I said, The Eyes Method, Unleash Your Superpower. It's a little bit different because the first seven books are all about health. While the last book, which was post-pandemic, I figured there's a lot more to being healthy because I was really talking to a lot of people during the pandemic with anxiety, depression, PTSD, et cetera. And so, yes, there's therapies and even smart drugs and nootropics out there, but there was a common denominator for their, in my opinion, for their mental status or conditions. And I was, they didn't have any purpose in life. So in this last book, I talk a lot about purpose, scripting your life, getting in control of your life and then upgrading your body and your mind's secondary.
0: Okay. I have questions about both of those books, but first I wanted to ask you, I wanted to go to your swimming days. I'm assuming you still swim, actually, because I, I read up about you and it looked like you most recently swam at the age of 46, I think it said, and you set a world record. So you're from Belgium, but you moved to the United States when?
1: 1997, when I was 25, 26 years old, yeah.
0: Okay, so since you've been here, you have 31 U.S. national titles, so I'm just, you're obviously a very competitive swimmer, so I'm curious, like, when you were training to break a world record or to win these national titles, what did a training day look like for you? What was your nutrition like? What was a workout like? Mental training? Sleep regimen? Like, I'm so intrigued.
1: So as a youngster, as a teenager, obviously you're invincible, so you just train, but you really don't care about strategy or technique as much or what you eat or food or biohacking. That just, you know, is out of the window. You just train and you compete. But I swam the world record at age 48, so obviously I don't have the endurance or the VO2 max anymore anymore. So I have to compensate different ways. So obviously, I do believe I'm stronger. I could beat myself up when I was 24. So strength's not an issue, but I needed to biohack. I needed to do many other things to compensate. And unlike most people believe, I only swam three, sometimes four times a week, and each session was only 75 minutes. Most swimmers swim once or twice a day. So my competitors swim at least once a day. But I carefully did very high quality. Quality, very intense workouts and obviously at my age you certainly need that recovery that time for your body to adapt to maximize the benefits from that workout so I swim usually three times 75 minutes per week and two times 40 minutes in the gym but very high intensity and then obviously I did anything else to basically make my body and my mind the best possible in other words reversing or trying to objectively reversing your biological age is my definition of biohacking. So if I compete, I'm 52 now, if I compete in the 50 plus, That's great because that's my chronological age. The advantage I want to take is I want my body to be only 40, and that's how I beat all the 50-plus people, even though they may swim every day, right? And so I did uh, balance my hormones. I did hyperbaric oxygen, took all the supplements I needed, upgraded my diet, did breathwork, did mindfulness, did everything I possibly could to have a better equipped machinery to take on the task versus just swimming more.
0: So how are you biohacking your way through a recovery, doing those those things you just said, like the hyperbaric chamber? Or, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff, right? Obviously, recovery, drinks and nutrition and supplements, and then obviously trying to speed up the recovery. An example is, for example, l carnosine amino acid debt helps remove lactic acid from the muscles faster. So that's from a supplement point of view, but you have PEMF devices like frequency devices. I have a sauna, I do breath work. So all those things that you do outside of the swimming pool and the gym to recover quickly and allow your body to make those adaptations.
0: So do swimmers have an advantage when it comes to breath work? Because I am terrible at breath work and it is like something I really want to work on. And I'm a certified Pilates trainer. And so like breath work is really important. And I'm a disaster.
1: Yeah, well, no, I don't think so because 99% of people, and including athletes, don't know how to breathe, right? We're supposed to breathe in through the nose for five counts and then out through the same nose. For six counts, the mouth is only to eat and speak. And of course, if we breathe that way, we only would take five and a half breaths per minute. Now, through the mouth, we usually breathe between 16 and 22 times per minute. So there would be a 300% increase in efficiency and that's important to understand because it may be our number one biohack like is learning how to breathe properly because as you know, aging is what? It's oxidizing. It's oxidative stress. So yes, we need oxygen to live, but too much oxygen to make us age and rust faster, right? Is the three radicals. It's the oxidative stress. So by just breathing properly and learning how to do that, we can increase that efficiency by 300%. So I encourage everybody to start doing breath work. And again, it doesn't cost anything. It's all out there over YouTube and online. But for your listeners, I think the best app out there right now, it's called The Breath Source, because all the masters, breath masters in the world are on that app. So download it for free on your uh, device and start learning how to breathe properly. It's probably your number one biohack.
0: Can you do the breath work while meditating? Like, is it a part of your meditation?
1: Oh, yes. No, excellent question. The reason I came in contact with breathwork is exactly what you said. Like two decades ago, people told me while I was swimming, like, hey, you need to meditate. It's going to help. And I tried. But you know what? I couldn't clear my mind. My thoughts are all over the place. I tried a few times. I didn't see any benefit. I couldn't accomplish what I was supposed to accomplish. So I gave up like everybody else would. But today, there's so many strategies, modalities, even technologies available that getting into a meditative state can be facilitated. Visualization, manifestation, again, breathwork, technologies such as binaural beats or uh, brain tap and things like that will help us get there much faster than, like I said, two decades ago. So for me, breathwork is something that I try to get into that meditative state and clear my mind. And it's the only thing that really works well for me because... When I'm so focused on my breath, there's nothing else in my mind and that brings me into that meditative state. So breath work is used to tap into your different brainwaves or get into a meditative state and even to getting connection with your spirituality or above that. So you can practice different types of breathing and each one of them have different benefits or different goals.
0: So competing at a high level and high performing athletes, what percentage of their success do you think is coming from like physical versus mental? Do you have one that outweighs the other?
1: Yeah, most coaches would answer between 50 and 90 percent. It's almost 100 percent, in my opinion, because if you are at a certain level, let's say you're an NBA or an NFL player, everybody's got talent. Obviously, they're all in physical shape. They have all the capacities to be the best they can be. So what makes the difference on the field? What makes the difference between an NBA player and an MVP such as Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant? It's in between the ears. It's the mindset. Because when you think about those two, for example they never had a bad game even if they lose as a team they never had a bad game even if they're sick and having a fever they're still in the zone and making that last bucket right and that's the key it's the being in the zone it's having a power routine that you can count on each and every time to deliver the same result and so many of the other players yes they're talented but people even say oh he or she had a bad game or he or she had a day off kind of they weren't right there And so they were distracted by what? Maybe something that happened with their significant other, with their kids, a financial problem. Who knows? But they are distracted. And that distraction caused them to anticipate a little bit slower. The ball goes through their hands. They miss a simple putt during golf, whatever it may be. And the most important thing is that when they miss that, uh, that miscarries over a next few holes or a next few plays. While... When you're in the zone, you only have the end in mind. Meaning, if Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant misses a simple layup, most of the time they were back at the other side of the court to block the shot of the opposing team because... They only got the end in mind, the big win, and that's the difference between being into the zone and not into the zone, between realizing your dreams and goals and just falling short, between a millionaire and a billionaire, between a silver and a gold medal. That's usually the difference, and therefore, I say it's 100%.
0: There's no better feeling than when you have a day that you know you're in the zone. Like You feel so accomplished on those days.
1: Yes. And, and Amy, that's good that you said because all the people think that being in the zone is just for athletes and no, it's for everybody. But most of us have experienced it, but we all, we think it was by chance. Oh my God, I won or I crushed that sales presentation or whatever it was that you did. And it's like, oh my God. But what I teach also in this book is it's a skill the skill of getting in the zone on demand turning it on and off and so it's something that we can learn so we can be highly focused highly productive and perform at our highest potential
0: have you watched the Beckham documentary on Netflix yet
1: the witch documentary
0: about David Beckham about David and oh, Victoria Beckham it's
1: that you say that I didn't do that yet but every time I put Netflix on it's there and I kind of wanted to watch it a few times already but i didn't yet
0: (laughs) well i'm i'm watching it and this is a big piece of it because when he starts to date victoria the coaches are really concerned that he's not as focused and dialed in so it's an interesting at all there's a lot of issues within the team whenever it started happening so he talks about it the coaches talk about it but it just kind of reminded me of the being in the zone so in one of your books which which You can tell me which book it is after I ask the question, I guess. You wrote about a two-minute ritual to become like laser-focused, whether that's business or crushing a game as an athlete. Can you explain what that ritual is and what book you wrote that
1: in? Yeah, well, it's the last book, the In the Zone on the Demand, and I call it a power routine. So what I do with my mentees is we develop a power routine that works for them that they can count on each and every time to get into that zone. And the elements of that routine are basically the same for everybody but we need to customize them to make them work for them so it's kind of a routine that you can count on and so with the in the zone on demand there's basically three aspects to it the first one is your purpose and that's not necessarily for athletes because they already they want to be the best basketball player or whatever it may be but for your average person many of us are not living their purpose and so the first step are really Help them confirm whether or not they're living their purpose and if they're not living their purpose, trying to identify their purpose, the thing that they're passionate about, the things that would give them fulfillment. And once we do that, we have to find a plan to trends to basically get from where they are now into living their dream and their purpose and regaining control of their life. In other words, we really have to start scripting our life, having that goal and the dreams, breaking them down into smaller steps, incremental steps on a daily basis, surrounding yourself with the right people. Again, scripting and controlling our life because control creates clarity, clarity reduces all stress, knowing exactly which direction to go, et cetera. So purpose, And then plan with a team of experts. And once we have those foundations in place, then things become easy because obstacles now become opportunities and stepping stones. And now we can really focus on upgrading our biohacking, our body and our mindset because mindset is still one of the most important things in anything that you want to accomplish when it comes to your dreams and goals.
0: What type of advice do you give people that are like constantly distracted with social media? I see so many people when I'm out and about at restaurants or if I'm shopping or whatever it may be, how many employees are on their phones, like constantly getting distracted by their personal cell phone. Like, How do you keep somebody focused on the task in their day?
1: Again, it's it's about making them realize, right, that they're not in control of their agenda and their life and that they're easily distracted. And I educate them about a the dopamine overload, too, because in order to be focused and be productive, our five intelligence hormones need to be optimal and they need to be in sync. They need to be synergizing. And so, when we're constantly looking for dopamine squirts, dopamine our reward hormone, which is like getting a pet on the back, for many of us it's consciously for many of for most of us, maybe it's unconsciously where we're seeking those hits and we get them by sugary man made foods and drinks and energy drinks and coffee because that gives us a little bit of dopamine hit and at the same time, as you mentioned social media because when somebody likes our comment or hearts our Instagram, it gives us a dopamine squirt. So we consciously or unconsciously seek more of it because it feels good. And before we know it, we spend much more time on that social media than we wanted to. But if we have a purpose and if we're scripting our life, I really work with my mentees on the fact that being on social media, does it help you realizing your goals and dreams? And what part of social media is advantageous to reach those goals and dreams when it comes to marketing or interacting with your fan base and how do we gonna control that versus where are you wasting your time or where are you engaging in a conversation that is just negative anyway and does not contribute to your goals and time so with most people social media controls them as you sat there at dinner they see something pop up and they cannot resist to go look at it right? So that leads me to the next thing. It's, yes, it's regaining control over that social media and your life, but also learning how to be present in the moment, especially when you're busy all day. You finally end up at a dinner table with a loved one, significant other, your kids, whoever it may be. is learning to be present in the moment because most of us cannot do that anymore. And that's where breath work would be helpful too, to do a reset breath, which is what I do, takes one minute to really pull myself right back into this present moment. It's something you actually could do with your loved ones when you have dinner, so you engage everybody. I do it sometimes before a seminar or a class or again, dinner with the family, To have everybody engaged, not just trying to get myself into the present moment, but if everybody said, okay, let's come together here and be present in the moment, because that's also when you can be effective, right? Think about a business meeting. You see the same time in a business meeting, not just dinner, everybody is still not there. How can you accomplish something as a company or a business or a team if half of you are not even present in the meeting to making an informed decision?
0: And you know what else I'm concerned about is how YouTube and TikTok for our children in particular have made everything these short clips. And it's like this instant, like I watch it with my son, he's going to be 12 and he would rather watch these 30 second clips and sit down and watch a movie. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, cause YouTube has shifted their content to that. So like, what is your thoughts with that, with these dopamine dumps and like they're training the brain?
1: That's exactly it. You know, it's all addiction because obviously now when you have YouTube videos and stuff, it's all about advertising. And so it's propaganda and money-making. But yes, I heard the latest statistic is that the average attention span is six seconds now. Six oh seconds. Oh my gosh. And we're distracted, right? So again, as a parent, because school's not going to do much for your kid, <laughs> you know, you're really, you're really going to have to get those kids outdoor, outdoor activities, engaging and getting their energy out. And then obviously, again, taking that phone away or limited time, you know, limited time on those devices, even if it's 30 minutes uh, per day, which is still to me is a long time. But the rest of the evening, they're not allowed to be on the phone and watch a movie with them, read a book with them or make them read books, you know, something that, again, they need to focus for longer periods of time. And when it comes to that, especially as a parent, because if they're not 18 years old yet, you're responsible, right? But get them into the right habits. Like I see kids doing their homework in front of TV or in the kitchen or whatever. There need to be, I mean, back to basics, there need to be a designated work area, can be the bed, can be the couch, can be the kitchen. So there needs to be an area that's, when you go into that area, that's an area to work. You don't take food in that area either because that's an other designated area. So when you're in this area, the kids do their homework on their desk in a certain room, not on their bed, the door is closed, they tell everybody not to interrupt them, the social media goes off. And so eliminate all these physical and environmental distractions so they can focus and get the job done. And once they realize that they can get their homework done in half an hour by focusing versus lingering and procrastinating and now it takes two hours and now they don't have time to play a video game or go play in the street with their neighbors, you know, that frustrates them even more and it's this vicious cycle. So if you got them to really focus, eliminate distractions, get things done quickly, then suddenly it frees up a lot of free time that they can do fun stuff also. And once they start experiencing that, they will be on board
0: yeah that's a lot of good advice, I agree with that because I'm guilty of doing the homework at the kitchen counter from time to time, come home from a busy day and sports, and that's the it you know that's the least blaze path of resistance. He doesn't have social media or cell phone yet, thank God. But I'm sure I'm going to have challenges when it comes to that of trying to get him off that. But I'm postponing that as long as I possibly can. So question uh, is kind of switching gears here to the stem cells. I'm assuming since you wrote a book on stem cells, you have a lot of experience with them. So I'm curious some of your professional and personal experience with stem cells and how you utilized them yourself.
1: Yeah, I was a CEO of a stem cell company 2015 till COVID started. We did a lot of professional athletes, NFL players, heavyweight champion boxers, and, and etc. And so stem cells are one of those biohacking things because biohacking means again objectively reversing by your biological age. Because today, I believe all of us, not just the elite, if we implement these tips and strategies, I believe we easily can be a hundred years old. But being able to do what a 40-year-old does. So you are 100, but you can go hiking or travel and enjoy your vacations. I think that is possible today for everybody if we implement those strategies. And so when we talk about biohiking, there's actually three levels. Number one, it's called biomodulation, which means is we do something simple that is, has a positive effect on our physiology or biology. For example, we take a sauna, or we take a high-quality supplement, or we eat a very healthy meal, or we juice, or we fast. We do one activity which benefits our physiology. So that's biomodulation. The next step is bioenhancement. It's something externally that has a more long-term effect. For example, stem cells, because you asked about stem cells. As we age, our quantity and quality of our stem cells in our body drastically declines, right? So we're unable to repair things. Our body has more difficulty healing itself, repairing things and things like that. But if we utilize stem cell injections or stem cell-based therapies, then we're basically going beyond our genetic programming. And that's truly biohacking because our chronological age, we can't change, but now we're basically elongating our lifespan and increasing our health span by making our biology younger and going beyond our genetic programming. So that's what stem cells can do. Now, stem cells are good for injury. I uh, In 2017, myself, I was the CEO of the company, but I swam in Minneapolis, the Nationals. And after my 40-vent butterfly, which I won, I came out of the pool, but I felt something wrong with my shoulders. Didn't think anything about it. The next morning, I get up, and I couldn't lift my arms above horizontal. So I couldn't compete that day. So I ended up with two full thickness rotator cuff tears on the left and the right. Normally that's surgery. Obviously I didn't get surgery. I got the stem cells injected. Three months later, because we had before and after imaging, three months later, they were not only completely repaired, but they were stronger than they were before I injured them. So stem cells don't only repair, they renew and re-engineer. They reverse the age of the structures. And so think about on how stem cells could renew any cell, any organ, any tissue in your body, not just repairing them, but actually reengineering them, making them younger, more resilient, and stronger. And so that's what stem cells can do. So stem cells and regenerative medicine are a huge part of biohacking strategies.
0: What type of stem cells were you using? Amniotic or
1: Yes, good question, because when you go back to conventional medicine, and usually they're always wrong, they do the opposite. If you talk to orthopedic surgeons and stuff, they're all been learned to use stem cells from your own body through a liposuction from your fat cells or from your bone marrow. Number one, invasive procedure, not without risks. And then at the same time, you know, sometimes we got to use our common sense versus listening, right? It's just step back and use our common sense. If the stem cells in our own body could heal, then we wouldn't have to take them out and then reinsert them into another area. (laughs) All right, so that doesn't work. So taking those stem cells from your own body, it's low quantity and low quality. That's why when you do those types of procedures, they don't immediately inject them. They have you come back later the day or the next day because they go to the laboratory and amplify them. In other words, make copies of copies. But we know what happens when we take a copy of an original and then a copy of a copy. We can't read it anymore. The quality drastically declines. Same happens with stem cells. So when we talk about stem cell-based therapies, don't be deceived by, oh, we inject millions, so many millions of stem cells. It's the quality of the stem cells, not the quantity of the stem cells. And besides stem cells, there's other components that we need for proper tissue reengineering. So we need growth factors. We need other bioactive molecules. We need exosomes. We need collagen. We need scaffolding. So in order to properly and effectively repair and re-engineer tissue, yes, stem cells are necessary, but there's other things that need to be there or nothing's going to happen.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: So yes, amniotic and Wharton's jelly. So a combination of placenta and umbilical cord. The Wharton's jelly of the umbilical cord has the highest biological quality of stem cells, and then the placenta has all the other components, including your scaffolding, your growth factors, and et cetera, and the amniotic fluid has your exosome. So the combination of birth tissue is by far the best source for the things that we need to repair and re-engineer damaged tissue.
0: Unfortunately, the government's kind of complicated this a little bit. for clinics that were doing it and limited certain products and
1: Whatever works gets banned, especially in the United States, right? So so today you still can get your joints injected if you have neck pain, back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, soft tissue, Achilles tendon, rotator cuff. That all still works. IVs of stem cells or exosomes is highly affected, but it's off-label. But many clinics will do it. They just cannot advertise it. So it's out there. Go get it. (laughs) Get
0: creative. You have to be your own health advocate here. So the book on EMR, which you said was uh, your number one seller for people that don't know, it's electromagnetic radiation. So let's give the listener some tips on, well, first off, how does that impact the body for people that don't know? And like, give some tips to cut down on that exposure.
1: Sure. So, yes, whenever things are invisible, we can't see them, we can hear them, we can smell them or touch them, we think they don't exist. But there's a consensus, and there's over 30,000 studies now that you can find emf portal.org forward slash en, which is a combination of all the studies. But even if you Google it, as you know, it's nothing but propaganda and the truth usually is excluded from those search engines. So we all know that ionizing radiation such as x-rays and gamma rays are powerful and they cause they can cause damage on a cellular and even a DNA level. But usually we're not exposed to those often, an x-ray, a mammogram, whatever it may be. It's not helpful, but we're not exposed to it often. So the non-ionizing radiation, the long wavelength, such as radios, TVs, appliances, and now our Wi-Fi routers, our cell phones, our Bluetooth, is considered non-harmful because it's called non-ionizing radiation. Because the wavelength is not powerful enough, or the energy is not powerful to directly impact the cells and the DNA. However, like I said, there's a consensus now that those non-ionizing radiation does affect our health our cells, and even can damage our DNA indirectly. The way it does that, I don't know if you want to know the science yeah. behind it. Yeah, tell us. But the way it does that is the radiation from the electromagnetic fields that we're exposed to opens the calcium voltage gauge that basically control the influx of calcium in the cells. So basically it opens those channels. So now there's an influx, too much calcium coming into the cells This too much calcium in our cells causes a rise in superoxide, which then combines with nitric oxide. Everybody heard about nitric oxide. When they combine, they form peroxynitrite, and peroxynitrite breaks down in carbonyl-free radicals. We all heard about free radicals. So these carbonyl-free radicals are actually more harmful than your average free radical because their half-life is much longer. So again, it causes damage on a cellular DNA level, but indirectly. The problem is, is that we are exposed to this non-ionizing radiation 24-7. Our Bluetooth, our cell phone, our laptop, our dirty electricity, everything. So it is much more harmful than that one or two x-rays per year because it's 24-7 and it causes the same damage indirectly. So it's a big alarm. It's a lot of uh, a lot a lot of the cause of a lot of diseases that are unexplained, especially headaches and nausea and again lack of focus. It could contribute to many many cancers, etc. So what we need to do is, even though we can't see it, we need to do whatever we can to mitigate it, to reduce the exposure to it. So that's why my book is so popular because it has hundreds of things in there that you can do right now in your house, outside of your house, and to your own body that doesn't have to cost any money to really drastically reduce the exposure to the electromagnetic radiation. I can get you some examples, obviously. In your house, you can buy a simple EMF meter, so you can identify, identify what I call the hotspots are, electromagnetic fields. So don't put your child's bed or your bed in a hotspot. Try to avoid the hotspot. That's one of the things. Measure the electrical outlets. And those that have dirty electricity, you can buy very cheap filters and put them in those. When it comes to Bluetooth or to lamps or anything that's wireless, start plugging everything back in. <laughs> I found a shielded cord. Plug it in. Don't use Bluetooth. If you have a router, buy a simple Faraday bag. It's a small bag. Put the router in it. You still get a signal, but it keeps the radiation, so it prevents the radiation from coming out. When it comes to your smart devices, again, the inverse law of Newton says the further it's away from you, exponentially the radiation decreases. So don't put it on your head. Put it on speaker when you can. Don't talk when you're walking or driving because if you're moving, then the signal that has to come in has to come in all the time. And it's much more radiation than when you would be standing still. So avoid to talk when you are driving or walking. When you only have one bar versus four bars, again, your signal is much much stronger. Radiation is much much more than when you have four bars. So try to avoid talking when you have one or two bars and only communicate or use the device when you have four bars. Don't charge it on your nightstand next to you. So we can keep on going. Don't use smart appliances. Eliminate that Bluetooth. And the list can go on. Then we can do things outside of our house. A few things. If you have a smart meter, again you can put a metal plate in between so the dirty electricity and it doesn't come into your house just one example and then I've been sleeping for example on what we call an anti-aging bed cover it's a cover that goes over the mattress I plug it in so now I'm grounded which means it's all the excess energy and the radiation is discharged into mother earth so now I'm just a conduit all the energy and the radiation that I absorb during the day is discharged And I lay on it seven, eight hours every day. So that's also a way to mitigate it from your own body. I can put that same cloth into my office chair. I can put it under my laptop. If you have pets, same thing. You leave the house. But if you leave your wireless, your Bluetooth devices and stuff on, your pets get the same diseases. Diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer. They get the same stuff. So if you want to protect them, also put anti-aging cover into their bed, plug it in. So they're grounded and put all those things off, even if you're not home, but your pets are home. And so I can keep on going and going. But if you want all the details, you can get the book or I have a resource page, which is for free on my website, where you can get all the links and all the things to do at no cost. Also,
0: do you remember the brand name of the mattress cover off the top of your head?
1: Yes, I have. It's called the anti-aging cover. There's other covers out there. If you go to my webpage, there's a shop here page. I don't sell anything, but I have links to everything that I use and recommend. And so one of those links on the shop here page will be that grounding anti-aging bed cover that you can get a discount. uh, Okay. I'll make sure
0: to find that and attach that in the show notes. I use one of those shields on my nightstand where the phone goes on the other side of the shield. Does it work?
1: (laughs) Now, that's a very good question because there's obviously gadgets out there and a lot of people would say, Mike, how do you know it works? Well, it's simple. You need to buy yourself an EMF meter. There's cheap ones and basic ones and there's expensive ones. I'm not a tech guy, so I got a cheap one. If you're technological and you like that stuff, get a more expensive one, get more details, I would be lost, right? But on that resource page I have, There's also a guide on which meter to buy based on how technical you are. But get yourself an EMF meter. And it's very simple. So with the bed cover, for example, the reason I bought it, because I know it works. I don't necessarily trust science anymore because a lot of the science is propaganda and BS, right? So what if you can measure it? You yourself, that would be awesome. So I can measure the voltage or micro voltage on my body, which means the radiation, That's on my body. As soon as I put my hands or are in contact with the cover, it goes to zero. Because now I'm in a closed loop with Mother Earth. Everything discharged, the meter goes to zero. So now it works. So you can do that with your gadget. You can do that with everything that you are planning on buying before buying it. Because you are correct. Many of those technologies... They tell you they work, but they actually don't. And so with a simple meter, you can simply test it yourself.
0: Okay, good advice. Are there any lab tests that you can do to test what your exposure has been to this?
1: No, not really, because it changes all the time too, right? I mean, even if you're under fluorescent light, that's that's bad, right?
0: Hate that. I can't even think right under those things. Yes.
1: So it changes all the time, but what you want to do is you want to mitigate the exposure and then discharge it as much as you can during the day by being grounded. Of course, you can go walk outside barefoot on the grass. That's grounding too. But if you don't have time for that, then just sleep on it.
0: (laughs) Okay, perfect. So this one might be a hard question for you to answer, but just in wrapping up, I want to ask you one more thing. Like, what's your top, if you were to pick one, what's your top biohacking tip.
1: Yeah, there's a few, but since we mentioned it already, I think learning how to breathe properly is probably a great biohack. Just download for free the Breath Source. I have nothing to do with it, but I like it. I follow a guy on there called Travis Stephens. He's a friend of mine, but you got all the biohackers of the world on there. It's a free download. If you want access to everything, it's maybe 6 or 7 dollars per month, but learn to breathe properly. It's really going to be a huge biohack. As you said, you're gonna live much longer because you increase your oxidation or your effectiveness of breathing by 300%. It's gonna affect your physiology, biology, and you can use it to get into the present moment. You can use it to tap into a meditative state, etc. cetera. So it's probably the number one biohack, yes.
0: I actually have one more question for you. I heard another podcast that you did and you put hydrogen into your water before you drink yes, it? correct. Tell me why.
1: Well, hydrogen is the smallest molecule on the planet, it's also the lightest element, and it's the only antioxidant that is not charged. So yes, vitamin C, D, selenium, zinc, everything that we learned during COVID is important because an antioxidant donates an electron to a free radical to neutralize it, right? We all know that, but then the antioxidant becomes useless, right? So remember that we only can use it one. Also, all these antioxidants, vitamin C, D, and they're charged, they cannot enter the cell. Hydrogen is the only one that can enter the cell, so hydrogen protects our DNA, RNA, proteins, mitochondria, etc. Number one. Number two, when we talk about antioxidants, as I just said, they only can donate an electron once. But what if, what if we have an electron reservoir in our body and we could donate that same antioxidant another electron? neutralizer-free radical, another electron, neutralizer-free radical. Wouldn't that be powerful? Well, it's possible because the battery of our cells is NADPH. And so we need enough NADPH to make that happen. And hydrogen will do what? Promote NADPH in our body. So it's about antioxidants. And It's about protecting everything inside the cell which other antioxidants can do and it has an amazing effect on our gut We know a 60 to 80 percent of our immune system is the gut Because we have so many people with gut problems today and I've helped many people with even celiac Crohn's disease food intolerances in three weeks To totally get rid of it because when you go to a doctor They'll give you a diet or eat this don't eat this and it's all nice and fancy or probiotics or prebiotics or both but Our gut needs an environment, an an electrical potential of minus 300 millivolts or higher for our good bacteria, which are the anaerobic bacteria, to colonize. So if that environment is less than 300 millivolts, it doesn't matter what supplements we take or how we change our diet. it's not going to work. And that's why it doesn't work for most people. So the first thing we need to do is reestablish that environment of 300 millivolts or higher. And hydrogen water will do that in two to three weeks.
0: So how are you doing that? How are you adding that to your water?
1: Well, I have a unit I'm looking at right now that purifies the water because I don't want the fluoride in there, right? And then infusing it with hydrogen gas, right? And so now, uh, next week, actually, I'm getting training on hydrogen inhalation system that's coming from Korea. There's only one in the United States. It just came, one manufacturer, because I have a lot of patients with Parkinson's, but think about anything with the brain. Parkinson's, MS, a stroke, a brain injury, Alzheimer's, dementia, we inhale the molecular hydrogen, and it's a much higher concentration than the water that I'm using now. And I'm thinking, just imagine that those patients can inhale that molecular hydrogen that protects what? The cells from the inside. We're not only going to immediately stop the progression of those diseases, but probably start reversing it too. So I'm very excited about hydrogen. For those people who want to learn more about hydrogen, go to hydrogenstudies.com. There's a search bar, put in your ailment like Crohn's disease or Parkinson's and the studies related to hydrogen and your symptom or disease will pop up right there, hydrogenstudies.com
0: okay awesome so thank you so much for your time today i will attach this was a lot of information that we covered and a lot of resources so i'm gonna do my best to attach all this in the show notes so that the listeners can find it easily as a friendly reminder please rate and follow the show that's how i continue to get guests on here so i appreciate everybody tuning in and dr mike thank you for your time
1: thank you